1: This feature is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and with me this morning, Dr. Kristen Francis, and we are talking about Self-Harm Awareness Month. And Dr. Francis, first of all, start out and talk about what is self-harm?
2: Hi, yeah, so thanks for having me today. Self-harm is an intentional behavior that someone will do to hurt themselves. So it can be cutting with a razor or a knife. It can be burning. Um, Any type of like self-mutilation is the term that has often been discussed. But it can even be like hitting self, punching self. And then there is even something called cyberbullying where you're bullying yourself online.
1: Why, Dr. Francis? Why does this happen? Why do people do this? There's a lot of different
2: ideas about it. One idea that really resonates is that people are in a lot of emotional distress often that self-harm. And when they self-injure, they get a dopamine release that soothes their pain. They also get an almost opioid-like relief as well physically um, that can also lessen the emotional and sometimes even physical pain that comes from the self-injury. So in a way, it's reinforcing, even though it's not a good idea long-term, of course, has lots of complications, lots of bigger consequences for that. But in the moment, people can get some relief from their psychological distress.
1: How common is it for this to happen?
2: Usually we're talking about adolescents and college students and we estimate about 15 percent in general of adolescents and college students have tried uh, self-injury. We also call it non-suicidal self-harm.
1: Is there an indication why younger people do this and not older people?
2: Younger people often have a uh, strong feelings um, that they don't yet know how to manage. And so, you know, if you think about it, adolescence and then for sure, young adulthood, you know, even the frontal portion of your brain isn't fully developed until you're really in your mid-20s. And that's the part that kind of gives us that ability to do planning, executive functioning, look through pros and cons of choices. When you're younger, your feelings are just really big. And if you don't have great coaching or you're just someone who feels things more deeply, you may get really distressed in a way that you don't really know how to handle. And so the theory is that people get big feelings, don't know what to do. And one you know thing that some people do is they hurt themselves. I did think it was interesting to look at, it's mostly young people, but then women who have eating disorders who are adults, there's about a 55% chance that they also self-injure. So self-injurious behavior is definitely linked to having an eating disorder.
1: How would we know if someone we love, say a child, is having a problem like this, is actually engaging in self-harm?
2: So usually the places that people self-harm are kind of more hidden. It could be on their forearms but oftentimes their abdomen or thighs. So with younger people, we tend to see if they're wearing shorts or T-shirts or if they're avoiding wearing any type of clothing that could show these areas. That's always a good sign. If, if the weather's really hot and they're still wearing long sleeves, long pants, I definitely would want an adult to check in. Um, you also might see scars, cut marks, burn marks, and not understand how the child could have gotten those. And we want you to ask a lot of questions. Lastly, if you're finding things around their room like razors or knives, things that don't make sense, I would definitely want you to start asking.
1: Yeah, you say ask a lot of questions. Is that the best response? Because as a parent, I would be terrified and I'm pretty sure I'd be very reactive.
2: Yes, and most parents are going to want to be getting to the bottom of it right away. And I'm going to ask you to take a deep breath, calm yourself first, and realize that your child is in distress and needs support. And a non-judgmental stance is always going to get you better results. So, calm yourself. I want you to go in just very curious and express a lot of love and concern instead of kind of anger, judgment, shame. Those tend to be our natural responses when we're overwhelmed. And I really want you to number one model it differently for your child and also
1: ask them a lot of questions to get the help they need. And what is the best way to get the help that they need?
2: I always recommend that people go to their pediatricians, primary care doctors first, so that they can take a look at a young person's body and see how extensive the self-injury is. And then if there's any need for stitches, any need for an antibiotic, that they can get that medical help. And then if, if a child has a therapist, of course, reaching out to that therapist or getting them involved in therapy, we definitely want you to come and see a psychiatrist, come see us at the Huntsman Mental Health Institute where we have a 24-hour crisis assessment center where we can evaluate how significant things are and what type of help there might be for you.
1: Dr. Francis, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. And this feature has been sponsored by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Martin, and my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we will find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.